praise team. Thank you, uh, musicians and and Pastor Adam for putting all the Christmas stuff together. And what an incredible, incredible presentation. I asked Sister Bonetta how many hours she sang that song, and she lost count. So uh, anyway, uh, if you're not, uh, if you haven't been here before, um, we welcome you. If you have been, we welcome you back. I'm Pastor Mike Sainz, the lead pastor here at the harbor, and we're delighted that you chose to be with us today. Perhaps you were with us last Sunday. If you could find a seat, there was 860 people here last Sunday. Give the Lord praise. Amen. The kids did an awesome job, and, I, and I'm just excited about that and what they did. And Melinda and her crew back there, just the, the Harbor kids just did an excellent job. And so um, I'm excited. Uh, two weeks ago, we started talking about, or maybe it's been three weeks ago, um, we started talking about tis the season. And we started out with Tis the Season to Bring, and we gave everybody some small business cards, and we asked you to be an evangelist and to give those out, and you did, and people came. That was incredible. The very next Sunday, we talked about um, Tis the Season um, to Believe, and we challenged our belief system, and many, many people raised their hand and put their belief in Jesus Christ. Now, today, I want to share with you, if I may, if the Lord would help me, uh, probably one of the most challenging messages to the church I know it really hit me as I was studying and preparing, and uh, it's entitled, Tis the Season to Be. <clears throat> Do you know it's one thing for people to talk about, about something and to say they believe in something, maybe even to put it on your sign or put a cross or whatever, but it's uh, something altogether different to truly be what you say you are. A few years ago, I read a story that haunted me ever since, says this pastor. It's a first-hand account of a young man who grew up in Nazi Germany. He considered himself a Christian, and he was part of a small church that gathered every Sunday to worship, much like we do. The church had had rumors as to what was happening to the Jewish people, but they mostly tried to ignore those stories because they felt so powerless to stop the Nazi machine. I imagine the church was pretty much an average church. If one of us were to show up there, we would probably fit in altogether, with the exception of not speaking German, and we would probably stand out because of that. The only distinguishing thing about this church is that it had been built a little too close to the train tracks. And lately the trains had been running a lot. But the problem wasn't the train. The problem was its cargo. In this little church building, the German Christians gathered and they could hear the sounds of the Jews on the trains. They could hear the whistle and it would begin to approach and immediately they would begin to hear the men and the women screaming in toil and in agony as they were barreling toward a Nazi death camp. These church people had hearts and it tormented them. They could look through the windows and they could see the train going and people with their arms reaching out and their eyes begging someone to help them and but there was no real help. They knew they had to do something, but they believed they could do nothing to make a difference. Over time, they learned the schedule of the train, and they planned to start singing hymns 
to keep from hearing the loud cries from the doomed people that was rushing right past their little church. And I'm afraid that the church in America, and I, I, and I cannot excuse us, I have to include us as well as all of the others, although I think we're doing good in some respects, but I still feel challenged today. It's easy to feel disgusted at this cowardly church, but I'm pretty sure that in every church in America today, all across our land, somewhere this is unintentionally happening at some level. We have both participated and seen worship that ignores the suffering of the world and escapes the call of God to go and participate in it. It's not just churches that try to escape the world. On an individual level, I, I talk to people who escape every day. They escape into their iPhone for hours at a time. They escape into social media. They escape into a pill bottle or a whiskey bottle. But they escape somewhere not to hear the cries of those in need. And they themselves really are in need if, if they're that far. But what I'm saying for the church is that we numb ourselves because we don't want to hear the cries of those passing by. So let me tell you a story. Jesus started his church in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Its name literally meant the gates of hell. In that place was all manner of debauchery. And, and, and it was a terrible place. But Jesus took 12 young disciples at the gates of hell and said, I'll build my church right at the gate of hell and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This was where Jesus said, I, I, I am in this world, but I'm not of this world. But I'm going to do something right here, and I'm going to build a church. And, and listen, I'm going to build a church that's not going to ignore the cries of those passing right by into hell. But we're going to do something about it. I want you to know the church isn't the only place to meet God. But at her best, church is where we learn how to meet God everywhere else, not just here. you got to understand that he is omnipotent. That's all-powerful. He is omniscient. That is all-knowing. And he is omnipresent. That is everywhere and anywhere. So uh, Jesus went into this small place called Caesarea Philippi, and he declared that the church is a powerful force in the world and with a mission and with a purpose, and we have been given authority to press into the places of the world. So many people get saved, and, they, and I know the Lord says, Come ye out from among the world and be you a separate people. Now, he's talking spiritually, be a separate people. You cannot take your stuff and move to the hills and be a hermit and then win the world. You cannot isolate yourself from sinners and then win sinners. You cannot do that. It will not work. So, but, but there are those who are they're so religious and they're so holy and they've never broke a glass or, or, or they've never done anything. I want to tell you something. Jesus said that we are to go into the world. Go ye therefore into all the world and what? Preach the, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? To bring light into dark places. Listen, a place that's already lit up don't need light. But you and I need to. 
We need to go into the place where the darkness is. He said, well, Pastor, we ain't supposed to do it. No, no, no. Let your light so shine before men that they will see the good works that you're doing and glorify your Father in heaven. It is time to be the church. For many years, the church has has done wonderful things and we've had wonderful agendas and we've had wonderful programs and we talked about all of this and that and the other but we refused to get our hands dirty. We didn't want to be identified with, with you know, yesterday I was jumping out of airplanes but I was jumping out of airplanes with some, some rough people. Y'all with me? Say amen. Now the ones that are hooked to me, I normally got them right with Jesus or at least I thought I had him right with Jesus until we opened the door we sat in the door, and he said, oh, and it wasn't God. <laughs> and he said it real, real loud. I mean, it's on the camera. So, but, you know, and, and I've even had him say, pray with me. You know, on the way up, we got about a 15-minute ride up to 14,000. So, uh, but I have won some people from that environment. Are you with me? Say amen. I have people question me all the time, you know. Man, how in the world are you the pastor of the church and you doing this? You jumping out of these airplanes and all that. And You know, one guy leaned over to another guy and said, hey, man, here's the deal. He said, if something happens to you, that minister right there, because you hooked to a minister, he has really made God mad or something. <laughs> no, no. So what I'm saying is this. I don't care if it's in your workplace. I don't care if... you. We are there to influence them in a good way. We are there to be the church. And, and you know, we're oftentimes, um, and myself very much included in this, because sometimes when we get done wrong, we're very, uh, we can get very carnal-minded real quick. And we can make real, real harsh judgments and say, well, I ain't never going to do a thing in the world for him or her or whatever. But I'll tell you something, the Lord would not have it that way. The Lord would have us be the hands of Christ when we've been upset. He would have us be the feet of the Lord when we've been upset and done wrong. He would have us still embrace somebody with a genuine love and a genuine embrace even though we are hurting inside. And I'm going to tell you what he did when he lay there being crucified. He looked at the Roman centurions that was driving the nails in his hands and with love said, Father, forgive him. He don't know what he's doing. So I'm talking about this, that if we've been wronged, we still need to be the church. If we've been hurt, we still need to be the church. If we've been offended, we still need to be the church. We need to let the world see us. And the church and those who claim to be part of the church, we need to let them see us be the church and be like Christ. Now, let me try to move home. Church is where we learn how to lay down our lives for the common good and the glory of God. At the church's best, the story of the gospel is not about escapism. It's not about you and I escaping pain. Listen, the prosperity gospel is going to mess some of y'all up. Some of you done been messed up by it. It says name it and claim it and frame it. It, it says your boat's coming in. You know, a bunch of the TV evangelists will tell you, well, if you'll sow us a big seed, you know, next month it's coming back to you. Well, why don't you sow a big seed and let it come back to you next month? Hello, hey, the harbor's doing that. We do it every year in Guatemala. We just sold about 15,000 in Camden this year. So we're putting our money where our mouth is. And I'm not saying that all of those are not, so, so, so don't quote me there. But you see, it's a story about God who come down in the flesh, and ever since, he is still dwelling in the flesh in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
But what is it if, if, if I'm done wrong? And let me say this. In this world, you will be done wrong. In this world, you will suffer persecution. In this world, there will be tribulation. So get over it, friends. Stop thinking, well, I joined the harbor last week. Well, guess what? You just now got ratcheted up on Satan's hit list. You know why? Because the harbor's making a difference in this community and in the world. So if you're part of us, you have been ratcheted up in the deck of cards of the people he's trying to get. Hello? And I thank God that I've been counted worthy to be on the hit list. That's right. You know why? Because the devil don't want to take nobody out that ain't doing nothing. It's already in his kingdom anyway. But if you're putting your hand to the plow and you're doing something in the kingdom of God, guess what? He's got a bounty on your head. So don't think it's strange when all hell breaks loose in your life. Don't think it's strange when you open an envelope and say, oh, my Lord, where did this come from? I'm being sued. I'm being foreclosed. I got to get money up for the car. I got to do this. I got to do that. Let me say this, man. Put your mind on the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll take care of these other things. I'm living proof. Seek the Lord first, and he'll take care of all. And I ain't saying you're going to act a fool and run out and charge up $30,000 in credit card debt and say, well, Lord, I'm still trying to seek you first. I've got the T-shirt in the video. I've been there. Y'all with me? I'm just simply saying this. Seek the Lord first. Put him first in your life. And it's, let me give you an idea of this. There are those who say, I love the Lord. They say, I'm a Christian. But you'll never see him at church. Look around. There's a good crowd in this early service. So you ought to be saying, amen, pastor. Hey, don't even tell somebody you ain't been in six months. They might not know it. <laughs> That's right. They might not know it. Because so many people traverse in and out. But I'm simply saying this. There are those who say, I love the Lord with all my heart, but they walk a different walk. You know, the church is filled with people who talk the talk, but God wants us to be those who walk the walk. Let me move on. Uh, the gospel doesn't tell us if you're serious about Jesus Christ, leave the immoral place and don't be found with those who are not up to par. That's the pharisaical life. It was the Pharisee that said to Jesus, Jesus, do you know who it is that's underneath the table washing your feet? If you knew what kind of woman she was, she is a prostitute from the city of Nain. She, she is a woman of ill repute. She is one of the women of the night. Jesus said, I got something to say to you, Simon. Let me, let me paraphrase. You're so religious. You're so super spiritual. You cross every T and dot every I, but I came to your house. And you didn't even have a basin of water for somebody to wash my feet. You didn't do the most common of all courtesies. But this woman has not ceased to cry on my feet and dry them with her hair since I sat at your table. So what Jesus says, you take that religion. Oh, Lord, I'm about to get in the flesh here. And shove it. Hello. Jesus isn't interested in any more religious people that cross every T and dot every I, and they got all the stars filled out. I made it here, and I made this, and I made that. He said, this woman has been forgiven so much, and she loves me to death. That's what she's doing right now. There was another woman that came to him that poured an entire bottle of nard, spike nard, poured a whole bottle. You know how much that was worth? I don't know how much you made last year. Let's say it was $80,000. Here it goes. Gloom, 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 all over here. And Judah said, you just poured out $80,000. Yes. 
You just poured out a year's wages. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She's done this against the day of my burial. Basically, and what have you done? What have you done? And what have you done? It's time to be the church. So here's what you got to know today. Jesus wants us to, first of all, he wants us to press into wherever we live. I don't care uh, where's that. He wants us to press in and win the loss. Listen, I didn't say you have to partake. Y'all heard me talking about the drop zone. You know what? They have what's called boogies. And that's what they do, man. They get down and boogie. Now, when the jumping day is over, son, they are popping the lid. Y'all with me? They said to me the other day, hey, you going to hang out tonight? No, no, I can't hang out tonight. <laughs> man, things going to get radical when the sun goes down. I mean, they'll camp out and be there for two or three days. Lord, have mercy. You don't ever know. Wake up in a few weeks, don't even know who the daddy is. And you say, now wait a minute, Pastor, you've been jumping out of planes with him. Yep, sure have. Been witnessing to some of them, been winning some of them. I don't have to participate in all of that to let my light shine to them. Likewise, in your Christmas party, you don't have to go get smammered. You can drink ginger ale or apple juice or water or Coca-Cola or whatever it is. Because what happens is if you participate in all of the things that they are doing, you have just now ruined your opportunity to testify to them. Because you know different. Oh, that one bounced back. I felt it. So here's what you need to know. Being a Christian is more than saying it. Being a Christian is more than just going to church and putting your name uh, on, on a roll book and putting something in the offering plate or even tithing. Being a Christian, being the church is more than mere words and titles. It is more than just a reputation. What you got to know is there are far and, and there, there are far too many people right now who are Christian in name only. But, and these are uh, those who are often church members. Yellow, y'all with me? They occasionally attend the worship facility. And they have somehow mistaken that this building is the church, and it's not. If this building burns down, we'll build another one. This is the church. Point at yourself real quick. If Jesus Christ lives in you, you are the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are the church. Christ is the head of the church. We are the arms and the legs and the feet and the mouth. And God speaks to this world through Christians, those who are Christ-like. But there are those who've never gotten their hands dirty. Perhaps they're just a little too classy to help with some of real life's problems as if they've never had any of their own. Pharisaic, uh, pharisaical spirit, they just sort of, they make sure they're all prim and proper. I know I got on a bow tie today, but y'all know me. I could preach in a T-shirt. Uh, my wife laid this out. That's why I got it on. That's the truth. But there are those who feel like they, they, they're so proper. They're so, I mean, we've really made it. And y'all peons down there have not even asked the Lord into your heart. And you just as hell bound as they are for that attitude. Wow. 
Let me tell you, God has a way of humbling the hard-hearted. He has a way of dealing with those who think they've never done anything wrong. I want to tell you something. You could be born and never do a sin in your life, never mess up. You could all have, you, you know, you could have good grades through school. You could have a gold star at your church. You could be the pastor's best friend. But if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and cleanse you from unrighteousness, you are still lost and in your sins. Why? David said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Why? Because we inherited the curse when they partook of the tree and sin came upon mankind and a curse came upon mankind and now we have to die. And the only way to escape that is to have eternal life. So, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take some action and be the church. But how, Pastor? I need you to show mercy. I need the next time somebody really blows it in your life, rather than being judgmental, to embrace them and say, you know what? What you did is bad. But a few years ago, I'd done something just as bad. See how quiet it is? Oh, yeah, it might have been a different sin. But to be able, and I'm going to tell you something, you're going to win somebody because they're going to look at you and say, Why? you know, there's only one that has not sinned, that's Jesus Christ. I'm not making provision for that. Listen, I want to tell you something. We as a church cannot turn a deaf ear on what's happening around us and be held guiltless before God. That's right. What I'm saying is, is those trains were rolling by, headed to a Nazi death camp. And the church, rather than trying to do something, decided, let's sing another song, Mr. Worship Leader. Let's make it loud enough in praise to God that we can't hear what's happening right under our nose. And the church has been guilty sometimes. Do one more thing religious. Let's pass out Bibles or something. Let's turn up the music. Let's hit the drums louder, the guitar louder, and deafen us so we can't hear or see what is happening right under our nose. You say, now, Pastor, you shouldn't be preaching like that. But you, you know why? I'm the leader here. So it falls right back on me. That's why I'm the one to have to set the standard and say, no, we, that's why we sowed 15 grand back into Camden County where women are hurting at the battered women's shelter, where their children are hurting, where, where the unwed mothers and the wed mothers that are deciding to do away with their baby, all of that stuff. Uh, you know, God wants us to be a part of. Are you with me? Say amen. So what are we going to do? Well, We've got to um, do better than what we are. Amen? We've got to do better than where we're at. And Jesus told a story, and I want to share it with you. And it comes to us um, out of the Gospel of Luke. He said it like this. And, and before we get there, I just want you to know, it's easier to sing another song, and it's easier to hit the drums harder, and it's easier to do all of that than it is to pay attention to what's wrong in the world and go be the church and reach out to them. Are you with me? Say amen. It's kind of like a child. Have you ever seen a child do this? They close their eyes, and they think if they can't see you, you can't see them. And that's kind of like we are, the trains going by to the Nazi death camp. Hallelujah! Close our eyes and just praise the Lord while people are passing by on their way to hell. 
And God stands today indicting the church and says, you know what? I love your worship. I love your praise. But there's a time to get on your feet and go be the church instead of singing one more song, instead of hearing one more word. Instead, of, let, me, let me tell you something. Nobody loves preaching more than me. Nobody loves teaching the gospel more than me. But I want to tell you something. The church in this country has gotten spoiled to death. Let me hear another good praise and worship song. Let me hear another good sermon. You've heard enough good sermons. It's time to go be the church. We know what the Word of God says. We know what he, He's telling us to do. We just don't always go do it. But he placed you in a dark and a broken world where we can let our light shine to this, into the recesses of humanity, a place where we can make a difference by showing the love of God, by not turning away to do something else religious. There's nothing wrong with good praise and worship. We've got the best. I said it. It's a poor rooster that won't crow on his own rooftop, so I believe it. That's all good. But on Sunday when we leave here, the piano's turned off and the guitars are turned off and the drums are silenced and we go back to our workplace. And oftentimes when we see hurting people, we start humming a song, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh. Mm. And boy, we just get in our own little world while they're hurting, while they're dying. I, I mean, when we could embrace them and we could pray the prayer of faith, but we'd rather get lost in ecstasy and just worship the Lord in our own little alcove where nobody else sees us in the secret service of church worship. God has sent us to a broken world. There's plenty of religious people out there that will not soil their garments to do anything for the world. God didn't call you to be a pretty thing. There ain't nothing wrong with fixing up. There ain't nothing wrong with that. He ain't called us to be a pretty thing. You know, face in religion, a, a, a pretty character at the church door. That's wonderful. I think we ought to dress the part. I think we'll do the best we can. But I don't think we ought to think we're too good to reach to the lowest place to get anybody because the Savior had to reach way, way down for me. Now, in Luke 10, 25, there's a certain lawyer stood up and wanted to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? What's your reading of it? He answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. But he wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I want you to pay attention to the direction. Went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came by down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, let me stop for a little bit of commentary. First of all, I said he was coming from Jerusalem down to Jericho. So, in other words, worship at the temple is already over. So, being ceremonially unclean by touching this man is no excuse. He's leaving Jerusalem, not going to Jerusalem. 
And this priest comes by and walks right on. And, and, you know, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, now a Levite is uh, just under the priest there. Well, the priests are Levites, but there's another order just under them. And, and they handle things just a little bit lower than the priest himself. When, in fact, the Levites took care of the altar and all that stuff too. But, but they, they both had to be ceremonially clean. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. In other words, he came and saw him laying there. And, and kind of like, you know, you've seen people that you've got all against in Walmart. You... <laughs> Guilty. Got him. <laughs> Hello? Saw him at the red light. <laughs> I ain't looking. Is that the love of Christ? No. Grow up. Grow up. You acting like kindergartners doing that. Are you with me? Say Amen. Smile through it. Uh, have the faith that the Lord's going to change you until he does. And anyway, so where am I? Likewise, uh, back at one, please, in verse 32, likewise, uh, he passed by on the other side. Thank you. But a Samaritan came by. Now, who's a Samaritan? You got to think now. The, leave, uh, the priest, I mean, these are the men of the church. It's kind of like a, a district overseer and a pastor just now passed by. And they went all the way out their way to avoid. It's kind of like the train coming by and the people are screaming, help me. And we're supposed to be the fountain of living waters. We're supposed to have uh, water for their thirsty soul. And we're supposed to be the bread of life. And we turn away and hide to those who need us the most. But we see a friend. How you doing, man? So... But a Samaritan come by. You know who a Samaritan was? A Samaritan was a half-breed Jew. A Samaritan was someone that they were to have no dealings with. And he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged and he poured in oil and wine. I want you to understand this. For a Samaritan traveler to use his oil and his wine, that was pretty significant. You could only carry so much, and you needed the oil, Right? For the animals, they, they, they took care of the animals with the oil. They took care of themselves and their skin and so on and so forth. The oil and the wine. And he set him on his own animal and he walked. Woo. I mean, if he set him on his own mule, then he had to walk. He set him on his own mule and he walked to town. Took him to a motel. They took him to an inn and said uh, to take care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and he said to him, take care of him and whatever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Now, who is this that's talking like that? This is a Samaritan, an outcast of that society that is treating a man who had been beaten and left for dead while he was traveling what they called the Red Road, the bloody trail, because robbers had dens inside the cave there, and they would come out when someone looked like they had a little money. They would uh, accost them. They would beat them down. And you know what we would do? I'll tell you what we did. In this country, uh, you know what they did to him? They stripped him of his clothes first and then beat him. Now here we just beat them down and then take their money. But in those days the clothes was important because they that's what they wanted, their clothes. And they, they were like, hey, hey, get him. Let's strip him down, get his clothes, and then work him over. 
But we don't want to tear up our good clothes. We're going to steal. You with me? But on the bloody way, this man fell in the arms of thieves, and they beat him and left him for half dead. And the religious men, the churchmen, those walked by. It's just like that little church in Germany. They heard the screams. They heard the cries. And they said, sing it again. Hallelujah. And they left feeling good about themselves, worshiping God, while the world went to hell beside them. So, but um, verse 36, so Jesus says, which of these three was a neighbor to him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do ye likewise. Go and be the church. There's too many people out there right now that are talking about the church. Here's what I want to hear from the, the city. Here's what I want to hear when I'm in line and they don't know I'm a pastor. I'm standing there in blue jeans and a t-shirt and ordering food. And I hear people talk about the harbor in a good way. That they were a blessing to this family or they were a blessing to that family, etc., etc. I know that we don't have the resources to fix all the ills of this world. And, and I'm sad to say that there's many times the harbor has to say no to certain needs. Even though they're, 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 they're valid needs, there's no way we can fix everything. There's no way we can contribute. You wouldn't be, it would appall you if I could show you the list of people that have called the church for donation after we have sown $15,000 back into Camden County. I can't tell you the businesses that want to get on the list. How do we get on the list to be the recipient next year? We never even said we are going to do it next year. We might. But anyway, when I hear things about the church, I want to hear people saying they have done some good in this community. I want to tell you this, religious busyness often tramples right over human need. I'm going to say it again as you stand with me. Religious busyness often tramples right over human need. Formalism, ritualism, institutionalism can drive religious machinery right over the top of hurting people in the name of religion itself. In the name of religion. I'm going to tell you something. God has called us to be the hands and the feet. The arms, the embrace of the Lord. The voice of the Lord that can tell somebody I love you anyway. I don't agree with what you've done. You don't have to condone what they've done. You can let them know you don't agree with what they've done. But I still love you because you've got two eyes in your head and two ears on the side of your face. You are made in the Omega Day. You are made in the image of God. Therefore, I love you. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to help you the best I can. Let us pray. I'm going to ask our ushers to come at this time. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help me be the church. I pray that you would help me lead the harbor so that we will be the hands and feet of the Lord, the embrace of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the reason of the Lord in this world. 
There's people on their way, not to a Nazi death camp, but they're on their way to hell. And Lord, I love our singing, and I love our playing, and I love our preaching, but Lord, don't let us say that we got to sing another song or preach another message or do this or do that. When the, when, when, when the pinnacle of all of it is if we will be of the world, if we will reach into a hurting and a dark place, if we will tell someone we love them and we're praying for them, regardless of where they are in life. In Jesus' name. You may be seated if you can. For just a moment, I want to talk with you.